Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's podcast, Ben Gulker and I talk about your 8-23 and 23 Detroit Pistons. We talk about Detroit's front court of the future, the unofficial beginning of trade rumor season, and how much teal is too much teal. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to be following DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. How's it going? How's it going, Ben? Doing pretty good, Laz. Still hanging in there watching uh, the Detroit Pistons limp their way out of 2022, trying to get to 2023, winning one game a week pretty consistently here. Not so hard to call the wins when you only have to pick one, right, Les? Well, I mean, you've done a good job picking them over the last three weeks, so maybe maybe it's easier for you than it is for me, for sure. Uh, speaking of limping, though, we should start with the most relevant news that we got for the Pistons this week. Uh, Cade Cunningham, officially done for the season, undergoing shin surgery. Uh, Troy Weaver, in comments to the media, made it sound like he would basically like recover in time for the end of the year and be able to go into the off season without having to worry about rehab, which is I think a positive development, but sounds like this is like a three to four month thing, uh, but they don't want to like push him to try and return towards the end of the year. It, it absolutely sucks that this is the case, but I'm somewhat glad to finally get like closure on this one way or the other Ben. Um, but the ripple effects of what, Kate Cunningham's injury means is what I'm more interesting or what I'm more interested in. So for the rest of the season now, Killian Hayes is your full-time starting porting guard. Jaden Ivey is your full-time starting off guard. It's like, what, what does it, this mean for those two though? These two guys are probably the most directly impacted by this news. Yeah, definitely. Um, successful surgery for Cade, obviously a good thing. Every time I've seen him, jumping even a little bit on the sidelines i've been like kate stop <laughs> like let's just make this stop make it end i'm glad we have closure to that part of the process but yeah i mean killian for him i think this is you know um in a, in a silver lining sort of way a good way for him it's probably going to give him you know presumably knock on wood he stays healthy it's going to give him the chance to um, you know, give him his longest stretch as a starter without having to look over his shoulder and be in his natural role uh, as he's been the last couple weeks. So that's a positive thing. Um, Jay Nivey, we'll have to see what this means for him. I mean, his minutes have been down the last two to three weeks because uh, he's not not fully in the doghouse, but at least a little bit in the doghouse, I think, due to some errors and mistakes and maybe not wanting to build bad habits, which would 
is what we'll talk about. Uh, and Killian obviously earning the big minutes that he's been getting and earning some responsibilities in crunch time, right? I mean, taking over some games, pretty much winning some games, or at least sealing some games this week. I think kind of sealing some games would be more more apt, at least in Charlotte. Um, so yeah, some interesting stuff. Not the young backcourt we were expecting <laughs> to see starting, um, but still, you know, at least if we're talking about rebuilding and restoring, we, at least we've got some young guys to talk about. And at least one of them is playing well right now. And hopefully Jaden Ivey, hopefully this is a rough patch and not something long term because certainly the last couple weeks haven't been going good for him. Yeah, I think it's definitely a good point for Killian to be able to play with the ball in his hands for the rest of the year without having to look over his shoulder. I think that will be beneficial for him. We talked so much about how confidence was such an important part of what we needed to see for Killian Hayes to make strides. And now that he seems, it seems he's found that confidence. It's like, we get to, we get to maintain the, that momentum, which is good. Um, I have every confidence that Jaden Ivey will turn things around, but yeah, it's, it's been weirdly, it's been weirdly safe to say that like Killian has been better for Jaden that are been better than Jaden for like these last couple of weeks, which is not something I expected to say at all at any point during this season. Um, but it's, but it's been true, but I do believe that Jaden will figure some things out. Um, he works too hard and I think he has the right mentality where he wants to uh, shore up his issues and, uh, and play better, especially defensively. I think defensively is where he could start. Uh, there's a lot of, very simple things he could be doing defensively uh, to to just play better on that end. And I think that would, uh, as we know, if you play better on defense, that will give you the trust of Dwayne Casey and the coaching staff. So that would be my advice to Jaden Ivey. The, uh, the, to bring it back to Cade and being out for the year, though, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, Ben, was so now that the Pistons are going to be without Cade for the rest of the year, they have been playing okay, like we've mentioned. They've been able to manage and squeak out one game a week. Um, like we mentioned last week, they're now what, like two wins ahead of where they were at this point, uh, last season. Um, but they will be missing their best player for the rest of the season. Do we still expect them to be like the worst or second worst team in the NBA without Cade Cunningham? Yeah, this is super interesting to me. So their net rating has gotten a lot better. If you look at some of the metrics that try to project wins and losses or expected wins and losses based on net rating, you'd expect them to be a little bit better by wins and losses based on their net rating. So they shouldn't be quite as bad as they've been yet. They continue to lose. So, um, you know, I don't think they should be quite as bad if over the long term, if they continue to, be better based on net rating. So like a, a team that's consistently around like negative four, negative five shouldn't be the worst team in the NBA. Like you look at the Rockets, you look at uh, Charlotte, for example, you look at the Spurs who are just like plummeting. Um, they shouldn't be as bad as those teams. If you give them 60 more games to play, like they should be a little bit better. So uh, I, I expect them like those, those averages should play out and they should they should be a little better. They shouldn't be the the bottom tier, bottom two, bottom three in the NBA. They should be a little bit better. Um, so hopefully that's the case. However, they, do, they you know they have these games where defensively they just don't show up, and when that happens, they just you know they just get blown out of the gym or they 
they lose games where offensively they play well and the defense just falls apart. So, um, yeah, I hope I hope they're not quite as bad. They shouldn't be. But, you know, young teams going to young team sometimes, and it, it can be really hard to predict. And the stats and the models that normally are pretty consistent and project pretty well when you got young guys who, who young guy, <laughs> the models don't always work. Yeah, I think, uh, like you mentioned, like, like you mentioned, there are other really bad teams, right? The Spurs, the Rockets, the Hornets, who uh, Steve Clifford's uh, press conference after that loss to the Pistons was hilarious in my mind, but uh, that's another thing for another day. Um, I do think that uh, if the Pistons continue to win, like if they continue to play as well, they've played over the last like month or so. Like, I don't think they'll be like a bottom two team, but they also like won't be in danger of like making the play in or anything or or anything crazy like that. Um, But at the same time, it will be interesting if they keep this up, they'll finish with a better record than they did last season without Cade Cunningham. And that's going to open up some questions. I think (laughs) this off season about, uh, about what kind of team needs to be built moving forward. But that's uh that's a question for when they go over 23 wins. Let's, we'll save that for, for the end of the season. But I do, I am appreciative of the fact that like they're continuing to play better basketball. It seems like as the year progresses, um, Oh, also on the secondary injury front, Isaiah Livers. Isaiah Livers sadly re-aggravated his shoulder, and so he will be reevaluated in another two to three weeks. So, Ben, two to three more weeks of Corey Joseph in the rotation. Yay! It feels like destiny. Like Corey Joseph is life for the for the Pistons. It just Corey, Kojo is inevitable. <laughs> He's inevitable. <laughs> Let's uh, let's let's talk about something that make both of us I think a little bit happier, and that's the uh, the success that the Pistons have found in the Isaiah Stewart Jalen Duran front court. Uh, over 140 minutes, that two man pairing is averaging a positive net rating, which is tough because like like we've mentioned, the Pistons have been really bad to start the year. It's hard to find two man units on the Pistons that have extended minutes and positive net ratings, so that's impressive. Um, and a lot of that is being done defensively, which is really good to see their defensive rating. That two man uh, unit has a defensive rating of 109.3. That doesn't sound great, but the it's two points better than the team's overall. Or it's almost like two and a half points better. Oh, wait, no. Oh, I missed. I messed up. I missed a, a period, a colon in there. They have a defensive rating of 109.3. The team overall has a defensive rating of 117. Not 111 like I thought it was, 117. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a lot better defensively lot better. than the rest of the team has been. Um, they're also um, – that two-man pairing is also uh, almost shooting 60% as a true shooting percentage, or the Pistons are when those two guys are on the floor. Um, individually, those two guys have had just uh, really impressive performances over the last couple of weeks. Ben, like, have the Pistons found their long-term front court of the future? Laz, have they? <laughs> I mean, okay, so Isaiah Stewart starting to do consistent shooting things, which is exciting. Um, still doing some awkward dribble things and some awkward travel things. But uh, how about that poster dunk against Charlotte, right? I mean, oh, yeah. Off the wow. Dribble right off the dribble poster dunk from the perimeter, like 
all the way dribbling all the way from the perimeter and putting someone on a poster and then followed it up with the the dunk in transition like back-to-back possession dunks from isaiah stewart wow right uh greg kelser i think i think it was the charlotte game made the comment you know we're, we're seeing the evolution of isaiah stewart happen before our eyes i think that's exactly what we're witnessing um really fantastic to see i and i think too isaiah stewart sort of giving Jalen Duran the the path toward his own offensive evolution. Like you can be patient. You don't have to do everything in your first year or even your second year, right? Like it pays to be patient and develop slowly. And when your time is right, when your game is ready and it starts to mature, like you can go ahead and you can go ahead and wait, right? Like do the things you're good at when you're a rookie, which is for Duran, jump and dunk. And and build build the rest of your game slowly. Um, yeah, I'm starting to get you know really excited about this front court pairing. I'm so pleased to see Isaiah Stewart evolving and growing and maturing the offensive part of his game that you know everyone collectively was so concerned wouldn't get there, and then just all of a sudden has just sort of exploded onto the scene defensively is where the you know the concerns have been for Stu at the four I think and uh you know the numbers you just read off that's that's honestly a little surprising to me because when I eyeball it I still see things that don't feel like they they look like they're working all that great but you know that's encouraging to see the numbers are, are starting to support some things that are working there as well of course I think the rebounding probably helps some of that Dern's doing a great job um cleaning the defensive glass in particular. And obviously Stu gives you a second solid rebounder out there as well. So, yeah, I mean, definitely a ton of potential there uh, for, for a future front court. Lots to be excited about. Um, and I think, you know, those two guys, I, I think they give you a potential roadmap of, of how you can potentially um, build some winning, right? Like, the, the Pistons, when you look at their previous success, you look at the bad boys, you look at the going to work Pistons, you know, their, their offenses weren't the thing that necessarily won, right? Neither of those teams were offensive juggernauts. They won through generating extra plays, dominating the paint, being really strong defensively. Now, are those two guys equivalent to Ben and Rashid? No. Are they equivalent to Rodman and Lambeer, et cetera? No, not right now they're not. But they, they sort of give you hints of, um, you know, being really, really good at giving you extra plays by being strong in the offensive glass, right? They they give you hints of being versatile defensively, and they give you hints of, especially with Duran, dominating the defensive glass. And those are the sort of things like give your team extra plays so you don't have to be uber efficient offensively, right, by being good on the offensive glass and really limit the opposition's ability to score by shutting off their ability to 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 get offensive rebound and exit play. So I think maybe you start to get ideas about how you can build around um you know those two guys. Uh and, and that's exciting to think about, right? So all of this is is premature, but um certainly exciting to think about in a way that even a month ago, man, like I wasn't thinking this way. So so this is super exciting. Yeah. I I was Glad that, again, we started this experiment earlier. I was fearful that this would take until like February. And so to see this, A, be implemented so early in the season and B, have success like basically immediately 
far ex- uh, exceeds my expectations for what this these two guys would look like this season. Um, you brought up a really great point about how Isaiah Stewart's continuing offensive evolution is opening up their ability to play both of these guys at the same time. Uh, Stewart is averaging 13 points and seven and a half rebounds as a starter. He's shooting 47% from three in the four games that those two have played in the starting lineup. Uh, He's shooting 45% from three in the nine games he's played since he came back from the strained toe. And the, that 45% shooting, like it doesn't look unsustainable, right? Like uh, teams were giving him wide open looks and he started to hit those and now the team teams are starting to treat him like he can make those shots. And that's opening up a little bit of the off the dribble game that we talked about a little bit earlier. And it, but it doesn't seem like the, the shot doesn't seem like it's uh he's getting lucky on like half of these shots. He's shooting like four or five threes a game. Um, he's shooting no dip threes, right? He's emulating Boyan where he's like just out there, like catching it at his chest and just like rising and firing from the corner. It's, it's been just wild to see the the evolution of the uh, shooting confidence and the the license to shoot that Isaiah Stewart has gotten. Um, and to you know throw some more stats in the pile, Jalen Duran he's averaging uh, almost nine points and fifteen rebounds per game in his four games as a starter. Uh, per like ESPN stats and info, I think the Pistons broadcast like shout out to Austin Drake also had this on the broadcast. He's the first teenager with 12 or more rebounds in five consecutive games since Dwight Howard, like Dwight Howard, um, you know, future Nuts. Hall of Famer, uh, the type of player you like hoped and prayed Jalen Dern would evolve into. And so to already be compared in the, in the same uh, breath as him, at least statistically, is, is very impressive. It's like I like I don't want to get in my head of myself. This is a really small sample. I do think a lot of the sample is helped by that game against Charlotte where they scored 140 points and Jalen Duran almost had uh, a 20 rebounds and um, Charlotte did not care about anything on defense. And so, you know, maybe a little bit of that offensive success is baked into that like one exceptional game, but they lo- it looks like their games fit together. At this point, um, it looks like their games fit together offensively with Stewart as the spacer and Duran as the the rim rolling lob threat. It looks like their games fit together defensively with Stewart able to handle his own on the perimeter and Jalen Duran um, that enabling Jalen Duran's uh, defensive responsibilities to be like simplified a little bit so he can just focus on cleaning the defensive glass and operating as a as a rim deterrent. Uh, Stewart also offering a little bit of rim protection from like as a helper and as a guy who is willing to just like box guys out, throw his body around and, and get defensive rebounds is like we we talked so much, Ben, at the beginning of the year about how the Isaiah Stewart, Boyan Bogdanovich, Sadiq Bay starting lineup like just couldn't get enough rebounds and how that was killing them in transition and how that was killing them uh, in terms of them losing the possession game. And you can see the power of just like not having to worry about that as much anymore and what that means for this team defensively in that defensive rating. Now, that's not like an elite level defensive rating, right? Like the uh, 109, I think, would be like in the, uh, it'd be like in the teens, I think, in terms of like team defensive ratings long term. Um, And 
with uh, Isaiah Stewart and Jalen Dern starting. Marvin Bagley and Sadiq Bey are the two bigs off the bench, and we know that is not the uh, best defensive pairing in the world. So I do think this team will continue to uh, have nights where they struggle defensively. And, you know, we saw it against Sacramento. There will be stretches where the kids just aren't locked in and they are just giving up. I think they gave up 28 points in six minutes in that third <sighs> quarter against the Kings. Yeah. Um, so this, this is not a perfect pairing, and we should expect some growing pains. But the outline of what this could become is extremely clear and looks extremely positive, like in my opinion. And I, it's not something I expected to see about this pairing or something I expected to say about this pairing in, you know, December 18th. Um, and so we should be just, I'm, I'm super happy with this. Like I, we both loved Jalen Duran, but like this Jalen Duran's far outstripping my expectations for mm-hmm. what I had for him for this season. Um, and we, we both were kind of cautious about Stu and Stu is way outstripping the expectations we had for him this season. And I think that's a, that's a big part of the reason why the Pistons have been so competitive, uh, in recent weeks, as well as like, you know, the contributions we talked about last week about the vets from Boyan and Burks for sure. Well, and that's, we haven't even started to even see Jalen Duran as an offensive player yet. Right. And, and I think that's fine. I think that's appropriate. I, I think they're just letting him finish lobs. Right. And they're not trying to push anything. And he can still get like a double, double every other night, just finishing. Exactly. Lobs. Exactly. And that's, you know, three, three or four dunks a game just because he can jump. Right. I mean, Ivy's been finding him. Killian's been finding him. Um, if he gets ahead in transition, he can get a dunk in transition. That's, that's like three or four dunks. And then I think also there's some motivation for him to crash the offensive glass because they're not running plays for him. Right. So you want to mm-hmm. score, you got to go crash the glass. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, you know, that's pretty easy. Eight and 12, just because he is who he is as as a 19 freak. year old yeah as an 18 year old that's pretty incredible and i think um you know when they start when he, when his game is ready we've seen flashes of a very good passer mm-hmm. right um so i i think there's also some offensive potential too that maybe it's a year from now maybe it's two years from now all of that is yet to be seen so there's potentially more uh, down the road to be excited about as well no absolutely i also loved his comments uh, after the kings game about uh how defending Sabonis wasn't that hard. And it's like he's 19 and he's already just like yeah, it's, all, <laughs> nah, it's not hard to guard this guy. And like you you could tell he uh he knew the scouting report because in the first half at least he's doing a great job of just like sitting on Sabonis's left hand and making it work. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that like that was great to see. But yeah, this this Jalen Duran kid's going to going to really be something, man. Both these guys are both in the Stewart's like 21. Uh, I'm, right, well, I'm gonna, I am so talk about young. this for like 30 more minutes, so I'm going to stop myself. <laughs> oh, trade rumors. So December 15th is the date when uh, newly signed players in the offseason can be traded. It's the unofficial like firing gun of the uh, trade rumor season. And so we had uh, a piece from James Edward, Edwards III of The Athletic kind of outlining what he had what he had been hearing around the league in regards to the Pistons. Um, the first thing I want to talk about, obviously, was Boyan Bogdanovich, who is, I think, going to be the single most coveted Detroit Piston in trade talks. Um, we know, or it's been reported that the Lakers have often offered a protected first-round pick for Boyan. Boyan dropped 38 on the Lakers, so I'm not surprised that they would offer a protected first-round pick for Boyan. 
But uh, Ben, I believe that protected pick would be in 2027. So do you want to trade like Kendrick Nunn, Patrick Beverly, and a kid who's currently a middle schooler for Boyan Bogdanovich? <laughs> That's starting to feel uh, very interesting to me because my daughter attends a school that goes through eighth grade. So I see middle schoolers on a daily basis. And so, you know, it takes on a new perspective, right? Uh, no, I do not want to do that trade. Um, many reasons why. It's the Lakers. It's the LeBron Lakers 2027. It's like, I, I think the Pistons timeline is like closer to 27 than it is to 2023, but that's still too far away, right? Like, I mean, a, a 2027 draft pick is like a 2030 realization, and I don't think you want to trade for 2030. Um, but you know, I've never heard it put like that before, but that's a great point. It was like this, if you draft a 18 year old in 2027, they won't be good for another three years. Right. Yeah. It's it's too, that's too far away. That's too far down the path. Um, you know, like I, I get, there's lots of ways to think about this. Uh, Here's, here's my opinion on this. The Pistons are the worst, one of the worst teams in the NBA. They have been one of the worst teams in the NBA on purpose. Um, I think when you've been in this situation for as long as the Pistons have been, even though they sort of kind of made, the, I mean, they did make the playoffs, even though they were no real threat with the Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond team a few years ago. I think Weaver has to continue to be sort of cold and calculating. And if I were him, like nobody would be untouchable. I mean, obviously I would command a very, extraordinarily high price for a guy like Cade Cunningham. I mean, he would be as as unclose. He would be as close to untouchable as a guy would be. And the price would have to be an asset like a Cade Cunningham. Like it would have to be an extraordinarily high price to get a Cade Cunningham, but no one's untouchable. Like a guy like bogey, like he's carrying your offense right now. Right. I mean, he's, he's your best player. So if you're going to trade bogey, you've got to be trading him for something that's going to, like contribute to your timeline in a very meaningful way, like in a year or in two years, you don't want something that's eight years down the road. So um, yeah, I mean, I I think bogey absolutely coveted a a coveted asset this year. His contract is so team friendly next year that, I mean, the Lakers offer is just in no way going to be the best offer. I can't imagine Um, there will be something that's more tangible in the short, in the shorter term that will be, I think, on the table. Um, You know, I think there's an argument for not trading him at all. And I think that argument would make sense. My only concern about that argument is if you don't trade him at all and you just retain him through the length of the contract, I feel like it's going to be hard to just see him walk away and then not replace that with any sort of asset at all. Because I think, tell me if I'm wrong about this, Laz, but my feeling about this roster right now is you have to upgrade every single position on the team. And it's either through internal development or it's through bringing in new talent. I think we just talked about Stu and Duran. So I think those positions you're thinking you're going to upgrade through continued internal development, right? So you've got your four and your five. Those guys are going to get better. But then you look at one, two, and three. Okay, Cade, you're thinking internal development. Ivy, you're probably thinking internal development. So you've got four guys there, but I think you're still looking at like that leaves you four 
five, six spots on the roster where you've got to get better. And it's not clear to me, maybe Killian, you're still thinking internal development, but that still leaves you five, five spots. You got to get better. So I think you got to be looking at how do I turn whatever assets I've got on my roster into future assets. And, and bogey is clearly the best one you've got. So that's how I'd be looking at it. And I, I threw this out on Twitter earlier this week. Like, I've become like a, kind of attached to Bogey in a way that I normally don't because he's just been like incredibly surprising to me. I think George and Greg talked about this on the broadcast this week. Like I think because he was on the West coast and kind of buried in Utah a little bit, I had no idea how versatile he was as a scorer. Like he's just been incredibly surprising to me and I've come to respect him uh, tremendously as a player. So losing him would be, I mean, I'd be bummed to see him go, but at the same time, like he's too good to rot away in Detroit and the Pistons. I, I don't know. I feel like they have to figure out a way to, to turn him into something. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think the Lakers trade is it, but at the same time, maybe this isn't the year to trade him, but I, I, I do think they're going to have to turn him into an asset that makes more sense for their timeline. If not this year, um, certainly next year, I think. Yeah. i I think you're right in that there's two like separate questions, right? It's like, should you accept the Lakers offer for Boyan? It's like, that's pretty clearly like, no, like they don't, they don't have the best offer you could get for Boyan. It's like, should you trade Boyan at all? Like to the field It's like, that is a more interesting question. Depends on the quality of offers you receive, but it's also like not as completely off the table. I do think that there's there's an argument to be made that like if you want to be good in the next like one to two years, which it does seem like the front office like wants to be good relatively uh, soon in the future. Um, I believe like, this is year three for Troy Weaver, and generally you don't get to keep your job if you win twenty you know, 20 or five or fewer games for four consecutive seasons. Yeah. And so like, yes, I do think that he would like to show like the team to show improvement, like relatively quickly. Um, having a veteran who is playing at the level that Boyan is playing at would make a lot of sense and help if you're trying to be good next season. Um, with that said, like Boyan will be like 35, 36 in the not too distant future and is already like not, uh, not as good defensively as you would like a person who's going to be in your starting lineup to be. And uh, is playing really well offensively and when we can't take anything away from that. Um, but I do think that like there are more, there are more obvious clean fits for a like Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivy, Isaiah Stewart, Jalen Duran blank starting lineup. Um, but like, will you be able to get those guys like anytime soon? It's like I'm not so sure about that. The free agency, uh, the free agent class this year is awful, which is again part of the reason why I think Boyan's trade value is so high because like he'd basically be like your your free agent yeah, rental, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's just he he's going to help the team in the immediate and in the short term, and the Pistons want to be better in the short term, not, maybe not necessarily in the immediate, but definitely like in the short term. And so I do think there's like a really good chance he sticks around even as he remains like a very, very coveted uh, asset among NBA teams. Um, now, obviously, right. If someone wants to 
make you a ludicrous offer, right? If someone wants to like, I don't know, trade you a 22 year old three and D wing. That's like already really established. I'm having trouble, like even envisioning like who this player would be. That's like uh, available for Boyan. If someone, if Phoenix wanted to do like, Hey, like we'll give you Mikhail Bridges for Boyan Bogdanovich. Like, sure. Yeah, you do that. But that trade's probably not on the table. But if something like that is on the table, like, sure, you have a meeting about that. You have discussions about that. Um, but yeah, but like short of that, there's no reason to just, there's no reason to trade Boyan just to trade him, right? You need to get something for him and you need, you need that something to help you be good in the short term and long term, hopefully, hopefully. Um, yeah. The other, the other, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think the scenario I worry about is, you know, let's say, you know, Cade, obviously successful surgery. He has a great off season. The Pistons retain Boyan and then, you know, everyone has a great off season, right? So all the young guys move forward, right? So the Pistons make to close to the trade deadline and they're fighting for the play in, let's say, right? To me, that would be a good improvement, that to me, that would be a good improvement based on where they're at this season. You've got Boyan through next season, right? I mean, I think that's what this contract was, or do they have him for one yeah, more season? This, yeah. this season, next, next season, season right? and then the, the the team option, the uh, team option, non- with the partially guaranteed, yeah, the partial guarantee on the third right? season. Yeah, yeah. So like, I guess maybe, yeah. So I guess maybe it's that that's when maybe his contract value is is still pretty high, right? So maybe this, this season maybe is not the most urgent. Like, I guess what I'm saying is, obviously his trade value is high now, but it, it could still also be as high a year from now, right? So that's what I'm trying to get to. My fear is if you wait like one more season and his, you know, he just gets, he ages like milk, he gets old, he gets hurt, like, if you wait too long and he just ages off his contract, I guess I'm just wondering, like, you know, you're, you're re-upping all of your young guys at that point. You're eating into your cap space. I think you have to think of him as an asset at some point. I'm just not convinced you have to be thinking of him. Like, it's not a trade now situation, I guess. I think you have to think of him as an asset. It's just not. I think you've got 12 more months or more to be thinking of him like that. You just don't have to do it now, especially not with this Lakers offer, I guess. Yeah, no, I think that's totally fair. That's totally fair. Uh, Other trade Pistons news, the Pistons to my surprise are not like slamming the phone down. If you call them and ask about Sadiq Bay, Miami, it was alleged, allegedly interested, made a call about Sadiq Bay. Jake Fisher of Yahoo sports reported that, other teams are saying Detroit will part with Sadiq Bay for an unprotected first round pick. Now that's like double hearsay, right? Like this is, <laughs> you know, a reporter reporting that other teams will are saying that like that's what Detroit wants. So like that's like two steps removed from Troy Weaver. So we don't know about the veracity of that, but that sounds about right. Like I would also consider moving basically anyone for a first an unprotected first round pick. And Sadiq will be extension eligible in the not too. I believe this all season he'll be extension eligible. So, and he's a bench player now. We really love this Isaiah Stewart, Jalen Duran pairing. Like Sadiq could be that third guy next to that, but um, 
like right now, Boyan's in the position over him. He's just been playing better and more efficient offensively. Ben, are were you as surprised as I was that the Pistons were not slamming the phone down about Sadiq Bay? You know, Laz, I think it was last week when you said, I'm just kind of ignoring or pretending Sadiq's rookie season doesn't exist, right? That sort of worldview shifted things for me. And I think if I do that too, it sort of recalibrates the way I'm thinking about Sadiq. And when I look at just last season and this season, I don't know, man. I It sort of just lowers my expectations about Sadiq a little bit and makes me feel completely fine considering Sadiq as a, as a trade piece. Um, I mean, if Sadiq is like the bully ball score off the dribble bench guy, the, the concern I have is like, what is, what is somebody going to throw at him and restrictive free agency? And is Troy going to have like, you know, like, Oh, this is my guy. I drafted him. Do I have to match at all costs syndrome? <laughs> right? Like, and I don't want to, I don't want him to do that. And not, not that he would, right? Like, I mean, he's, he's moved on from Jeremy Grant, like, but at the same time, he's also gone after guys he liked in previous jobs, right? Like he's gone after Hamdou Diallo, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's got to be cold and calculating. That's the reality of it. That's, that's, a, that's a hard job. Um, I don't know what Miami has to offer though. I did look, I looked up and down Miami's roster. And I was like, you know, I, I, I bet they'd love to get rid of uh, Nate Robinson, but I don't, I don't know that I want any part of that. Um, that's exactly the kind of contract I don't want to give Sadiq Bay, to be perfectly honest. Um, so yeah, man, Sadiq, it's, it's tough. It's a tough situation with Sadiq right now. If he finds his three point shot for the rest of the season, um, it almost gets even harder because then you're like, "What? Who is Sadiq Bay? I don't even know." <laughs> He's shooting like 37 percent from three over his last like seven, eight-ish games, and so like maybe the stroke is returning, and that does definitely make things uh, interesting. But yeah, Sadiq's restricted free agency is a huge factor in all of this. Um, it does seem like they're really invested in Isaiah Stewart. It does seem like uh, Killian Hayes is playing his way into a future investment. And if Sadiq Bey is just, is quote unquote, just like put his shoulder into you bucket getter guy off the bench, that's kind of replaceable in a way that like Stewart's versatility isn't in, in a way that Killian's versatility like probably is, but not at like a as cheap a rate as you're going to get on Killian, considering how he's been playing for the first like two years of his career. Um, yeah, I I've really struggled with like what Sadiq's market is going to be. Um, guys, like guys, you can squint at and call three and D wings generally get overpaid in restricted free agency simply because like you don't get a look at those guys very often. Um, I have had, uh, I've had, you can see like teams start to like openly wonder like, Oh, Sadiq's available. Like we, we got the Miami report. Obviously I've seen some Boston play, uh, some Boston uh, reporters be like, Oh, like 
It's like, yeah, they could trade for Sadiq Bay. I don't know what they would give up, but like, yeah, that Sadiq Bay would be really interesting in Boston. I've had uh, Golden State people be like, hey, like Sadiq Bay, like that'd be that'd be a really interesting piece to add around like their core of interesting young guys. And we know Troy likes James Wiseman, right? So like, would you do James Wiseman for Sadiq Bay? And I would not do that, but like, I can see where, where their where their heads are at with that. Um, but yeah, Sadiq. Sadiq is quietly going to have like a really, really interesting offseason uh, for Detroit. And I hope he continues to play better because that will solidify things a little bit more in his favor uh, moving forward with the team. Um, last but not least on the trade. I mean, like there were some other trade rumor stuff like teams are interested in Alec Burks, right? Like Alec Burks could definitely be traded. I think he's he's less valuable to this team than Boyan, but does does but does definitely have a lot of uh, offensive value and a very clearly defined role. I don't think um, I like, I don't think you get as much for Burks as you would for Boyan, but like, I also think the Pistons would like to keep Burks. He's also younger than Boyan, which helps. Um, and it's like, there's some questions about that, but like, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, but last but not least, like Nerlens Noel is like going to get traded. Apparently he's doing everything, but like standing at midcourt with a sign that says like, please trade me to Dallas. Please trade me to Portland. Please trade me somewhere else so I don't have to be here. Uh, ben, do you, like, will you miss Nolan's Noel? It's like, will will we uh, get the uh, Troy the uh, uh, Trey Lyles Memorial? Thank you for your service. Salute to Nolan's <laughs> Noel when he gets uh, his way uh, out the door. I was kind of hoping Trey Lyles would get big minutes in Sacramento in the Sacramento game so we could talk about him one more time on the podcast. Uh, I forget Nerlens Noel is on the team, to be perfectly honest. Um, it's kind of like Jaleel Okafor. I forgot he was on the team at, at times. I mean, Nerlens Noel, I mean, give any second-round pick, I think. Any second-round pick for Nerlens Noel, and, and we'll be okay. Yeah, I'm I'm totally on board with that. Uh, and the extra roster spot that opens up is kind of interesting. The yeah. other thing I'll say is uh, I don't want to take on any long-term money for Nerlens Noel. He makes 10 million. He's got the team option next year, which I'm sure they would decline at this point. Um so there's there's been thoughts about like a Nerlens Noel like JaVale McGee like trade of sorts. Uh they make like roughly similar money, but JaVale has like two more years and a player option and it's like don't take on 3 Oof. years of JaVale McGee to get Nerlens Noel out of here. Like let's let's like and I know cap space is not perhaps super valuable with this incoming free agent class but like let's not just take on like two years of bad money like just to get a guy out of here like let's let's be responsible fiscally here troy no i mean he's he was basically like jalen Duran insurance right like you needed a you needed an nba caliber big man in case jalen Duran just wasn't ready and jalen Duran is ready <laughs> so i mean it wasn't a bad play by weaver to have him on the roster it's just that jalen Duran's good so move on yeah that's it i mean and there's also like very clearly a reason why new york didn't want him anymore right like, right that, that 10 million is much more than i think he would earn in the open market so right makes a lot of sense um ben what's been on your mind what's been on your mind this week last tel- couple weeks you've been giving us gold so i i expect uh, greatness <laughs> in this segment. well i don't think i have gold i have another color Laz, and and that is to say this week i was thinking of you during the Charlotte game, when we were just swimming in the ocean of teal, <laughs> we had the teal pistons at the teal hive, and everyone was teal. And 
It was a teal celebration of defense, which I'm sure you also appreciated. So much defense being played in that overtime win. And I'm sure you hear the sarcasm. And I just, I knew you, you had to love that game. So much defense being played in that beautiful color. And LaMelo Ball, just beautiful shot selection. I, I know you had to love that basketball game. <laughs> so, no, that, that, was, that was something else, wasn't it? That was that was uh, that was a time. That I'd, was something. Half of Lamelo's shots, I'm still not sure how they go in. Oh my! And goodness. I think half the time he doesn't know either, and that makes it worse. I just <laughs> I I don't understand his game. It's like aesthetically, like it's very pleasing, and I understand like why uh, you you'd like it, but like man doesn't play any defense he was coming off like an injury he's been injured for like the last two weeks or whatever so like yeah sure he's getting his feet wet again but still man like yeah it's like it's, when Lomelo is just such a weird player it's like when but you're yeah. playing nba 2k and you accidentally hit the right trigger and hit the fade away <laughs> like that's like half his shot <laughs> like or the right i'm not the right trigger the right uh the right thumbstick instead of the circular a button right, right. He, he just does stuff and sometimes right. it works he's yeah. a savant He's very much a savant, and I I am not a savant, and so I, my brain doesn't work that way. So I don't, I don't get it. The yeah. other, uh, but like to your point about the teal, I think now to my eternal frustration, um, after that win against Charlotte, the teal uniforms are the only uniforms the Pistons are five hundred or better in this Wild. season. There's a Twitter account that tracks the Pistons' record by uniform. I don't remember it off the top of my head. I will shout you out uh, in the uh, podcast notes. But uh, yeah, the Pistons are over 500 where they, when they wear the teal. And that's only going to incentivize them to wear the teal more. And I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. Because I like wins, Ben. I like wins, but I do not like the teal. It was a very awkward... Uh, the two teals clashed with each other in a, a very awkward sort of way. I do have to say, though, I like the hive court the way that the the they have the the wood actually look like a hive i thought that actually looked pretty sweet anyway enough about charlotte quick quick shout out to mason Plumley shooting left-handed free throws i will say that if he can do that there are no excuses for any nba caliber big man to shoot 50 percent or less from three line if he can transition to shooting left-handed free throws oh my goodness um no he's taking left-handed like live action jumpers is he and really oh my if goodness if you, you there are like clips you can see like the other bench the other team's bench reaction to like mason Plumlee like putting up like a left-handed 12 footer and making it and it's just like wonderment and befuddlement and they're just they're just so confused so yes yeah i, I wow. love this anecdote wild stuff uh greg kelser called it out and i had to rewind because i was like what did he really and so I thought I would just give a little shout out to Mason Plumley, former Piston great. Uh, last thing I'll mention: this is the only serious thing I have this week, and it's only semi-serious. Uh, Jay Nivey missed nine three pointers this week. Four of them were air balls. Uh, unbelievable to me. Three of them were short. One of them was an over the basket air ball that hit the backboard, and that was scary. Um, you know, I, I Jaden Ivey to me shocked me early in the season with how good he was scoring the basketball. 
Uh, he was getting to the rim almost at will. And over the last two and a half to three weeks, he has shocked me with how hesitant he has looked and how how much almost like self-doubt he looks like he's having. Like he looks so timid and almost scared to do the things he knows he's good at. Um, he has gotten himself into really awkward situations um, off the dribble. He has thrown himself up in the air with no real clear idea of what to do in the paint. And his three-point shot, um, it, it just looks disastrous. The scout, I mentioned this last week. I feel like the scout is out on him. And he just looks like he has no confidence or belief in his three-point shot. And, um, you know, I, I do think this is a, te- this is a short-term issue for him. Um, you know, one of the things you had in the notes last that we didn't necessarily talk about, um, you know, his minutes have been way down. I think Casey made some public comments about developing, but not developing bad habits. I think maybe some of that is directed at Jaden Ivey and maybe not, maybe, um, pretty clearly his minutes have been down. Um, they were down even low, even more this week than they were the week previously. Part of that is because Alec Burks was so good, particularly in Charlotte. Um, overtime was particularly poignant. Ivy played for like the first two and a half minutes of overtime was really bad. Burks came in and scored literally within seconds uh, to pretty much seal the, seal the deal that had to be rough for Jaden. Jaden then I think, did he, did he foul out in Sacramento? One of his, Worse. He and Killian combined for like 11 fouls as a backcourt against Sacramento. Yeah, that was I think Sacramento might have been his lowest scoring game as a rookie. I think he only had five points. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really tough week for Jaden. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, he, sh- he, yeah, he shot, you know, two for 11 from three. Jaden's got some stuff to figure out. And I think the coaching staff has some stuff to figure out as well, because I think he's at a point in his rookie season where, um, Laz, I think you're right. He's a coach's son. He's got a work ethic that reminds me of like every coach's kid you've ever seen, like scrappy, work hard, play hard kind of a kid. But I, I think every young player reaches a point in their, you know, their first few seasons at any level, you know, high, young high school players, young college players, young professional players, they run into this point where, where things don't go well. And I think confidence retaining your confidence is, is critical. I, I think we've seen this with Killian. He's, mm-hmm. I think, gone over the hump this season, and hopefully it stays there. I think the coaching staff has a key moment with Jaden Ivey where you have to walk the line very carefully. You need to hold him accountable for some of the errors he's made, especially defensively and then with turnovers, but you also have to do it in a way that retains his confidence because I think what we've seen from him, particularly offensively, hints to me that his, his confidence is low. Um, so, so that's, what's on my mind this week. Jaden Ivy is really struggling. I think he has some incredible physical tools. I think he's got some incredible raw talent. Uh, and I think the coaching staff needs to be really cu- careful right now. Cause I think there's an inflection point for him, not for his career necessarily, but I, I think for this season where, you know, I think if the Pistons want to be better than continue to be better than they were a season ago. Jaden Ivey needs to be part of that equation. And I think if the Pistons want to be good next season, whatever good means, Jaden Ivey has got to be part of that as well. So I think they, they need to work with him on, on confidence and getting him back on track because 
he hasn't been good the last two or three weeks. And uh, he can certainly be better because we saw it. We saw him be very good the first, you know, three, four weeks of the season. I wonder about hierarchy, right? Mm. Um, Stewart's current involvement in the offense was not the same level of involvement we saw when Jaden Ivey was playing better basketball. Um, Boyan is obviously you know, 1A, 1B in the in the offensive hierarchy hierarchy for the starting lineup. Um, Cade made a big effort. Remember, we were complaining about Cade's effort to get Jaden yeah. involved in the offense early in the season. Um, Killian is not making that same effort, but uh, we were more concerned about Killian's confidence and him finding his place offensively. Um, and so perhaps... Jaden is struggling with where he feels like he needs to be in the hierarchy uh, of the starting lineup. Um, I, you know, I have every confidence he will figure it out. Um, the shot is a, a thing I do worry about just because it seems like the touch is like fine, but the form, the technique is like not great. And this has been a thing that we've been on uh, since like the pre-draft process. Um, but the, the athletic gifts are too great for him to not figure it out at some higher baseline level than what we're currently seeing. And so I, you know, I think Jay Navi figures it out. It might be sometime later this season. It might be in year two. Um, we are at like the 30 ish game mark. This is like roughly probably as many minutes and as many games as he played last season. Rookie so, wall. <laughs> yeah. The, the rookie wall is definitely an, an oncoming uh, object in his, uh, in his, uh, his future so i think that has part of it to do with it as well and he also uh like we i tweeted like he falls like a looney tunes character and oh like, my he, gosh he takes a lot of punishment all the for, time for a guy who attacks as much as he do and i'm sure like he missed a couple of games with the knee strain like i'm sure he's you know probably not feeling as great as he was at the beginning of the season but learning to get through that and fight through that is part of like for that transition from college to the nba and you know that's just a thing like rookies go through so i'm not worried about Jaden ivy in the long term but i can definitely say like yeah he hasn't been great in the short term i mentioned earlier like killian's been playing better than him and that's not something i would have expected to say at like any point this season so it is what it is all right ben uh the schedule this week uh they play brooklyn at home later tonight then they play Tuesday against the Utah Jazz at home. They have a back-to-back in Philadelphia on Wednesday. And then they play the Hawks in Atlanta on Friday. So, Ben, you're three for three over the last three <laughs> weeks. It's like, what, what, Swami Ben, Nostra, Nostra Da Ben. Like, what, what do you got for us this week? All right, I'm going for the season sweep against the former Pistons kryptonite Utah Jazz. Kelly Olenek and the Jazz are not going to split with the Pistons. Pistons are going to beat the Jazz. I don't like that back-to-back stuff against Philly and the Hawks. I don't want any part of that. And Brooklyn, unless they uh, unless they risk another fine from the league and rest, you know, 80% of their roster, I think they're too much for the Pistons. So, yeah, I, I like uh, I, I like the Jazz this week. I That's a good call. I I wish Cade was healthy for this game. Because it does seem like he and KD have like kind of a thing, and like that would be fun to watch. Even yeah. uh, it's like if you're going to lose, like at least make it fun with uh, with those two guys like duking it out. Um, but yeah, the 
the Jazz just beat the Pelicans, so I hope I hope you're right. Pelicans are really, really good. <laughs> They're top of the West, so I, I absolutely hope you're right, Ben. I'm not going to go against you. I'm also going to say the Jazz. Like, let's let's ride this winning streak together for sure. It could be. It could just be an on four kind of week. I mean, it could take to totally be. They play. Uh, they play Orlando at home pretty soon, so that you know, I'm I'm not afraid of like a long, long losing streak, but uh, but yeah, this could be a this could be an on four week. All right, Ben. Uh, let the people know uh, what's the best way for us to talk about uh, Jaden Ivy struggles in a format that doesn't get us yelled at. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, maybe the game threads this week. If I if I stay awake and and watch and watch games live, that would be all East Coast games. All East Coast, all East Coast games. Yeah, that's true. Lately, it's been getting the kids to bed that has prevented me uh, from watching live because i don't like i don't like jumping in halfway through the game so uh i've mostly given up on twitter for the time being for my own reasons uh so game threads at detroitbadboys.com is, is the best place or you know catch catch me on the podcast post detroitbadboys.com as well yeah we are also like currently undergoing a slight uh sleep regression which oh, yeah. is just what you want right before a long trip to Perfect a different timing. state in a Perfect different timing. sleeping environment, yeah. right? Like just that's exactly what you want. Um, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Looking forward to that. Yeah, and uh, we're hopping cool. time zones for the holidays too. So yeah, it's always perfect. Well, we don't have we don't have to do that at least. That's good. <laughs> yeah, uh, I am also tweeting less, uh, not because of Twitter stuff but just i find myself more busy with other things in my life but if you want to talk to me about basketball the best place to do that is still twitter you follow me uh at last chance that's at l-a-z-c-h-a-n-c-e uh, i've also tried to be a little bit more active in the uh in the boards on the podcast comments uh, in some of the the post-game recap comments those are those are some very fun very reactive uh very volatile uh, environment to to talk basketball but I, i'm enjoying it so far and uh yeah things are hopefully things are continue to go well for for our detroit pistons this week all right y'all this has been the detroit bad boys podcast thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you all we, we, we will talk to you all next week we will record at least one episode like over the holiday not on christmas because we're not maniacs but one episode on the over the holidays sometime i promise uh, and we will see you then